Welcome to Self-Confidence Unboxed, Owning Your Truth. I'm here to demystify self-confidence, break through the BS and hacks, and get to the heart of what is holding you back. By owning and living your truth, you show up more confident, self-assured, empowered in your relationships, work, and life. But what if you can play bigger in your life, make an impact rather than just sitting on the sidelines to get out of your own head and into your life? I'm your host, Angela Powell. Let's get started. Well, hello, 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 and welcome back. I have a treat for you guys today. It is phenomenal. I have the best conversations with some of my coach friends, and I want to start sharing those conversations with you because every time that I end up talking with them, I'm like, damn, we should have recorded this. There was some good nuggets in there that were just mind-blowing or something to really kind of think about. And I wanted to be able to share that with you guys. It is phenomenal. And I would love to be able to hear what you have to say. So anyway, uh, without further ado, this is Trisha Bolton. She lives in Australia. And uh, she is a friend of mine that is also a coach. And we talk about fantastic things. So just take a listen. Sit back and just glean all the nuggets <laughs> bye and it's all about at the end of the day sort of like leading an authentic life and I think the biggest thing is sort of like you know when you when you talk about your heart revolution sort of what comes to mind for me is what I have not realized like again you hear about it in theory but to see it in practice I think sort of the more people show up authentically in their life the more we can do that the more other people feel empowered to start thinking it's possible for them or start asking questions of why am I doing this when I don't really want to do this anymore or okay and it, you know if she can do it what can I do and and sort of stuff like that and I and I think I've heard about that before but sort of seeing it in practice I think that's that's really how we can feed into you know practically real heart revolution oh yeah definitely and so like there's there's that tagline heart you know hashtag heart revolution but it also goes is is even underlining the um the other part of like my coaching is like owning your truth and a lot of Mm. people whenever I first introduced that um it people were like well what is the truth the thing is is that people yeah when you're not used to that thought process Mm -hmm. i get it but at the same time like that's the most concise way i can be able to tell you Mm -hmm. you know live authentically authentically is used too much i think sometimes Mm -hmm. And so, um, but it has a a deeper, more powerful thing is your truth. You get to choose, you get to challenge every rule that you've been given of how you're supposed to show up, how you're supposed to be. It's funny that when you reflect back, it's so easy for us to say that now and for us to believe it and accept it. And we feel the power of it in our life. But if I rewind, you know, X amount of years, and if you had a conversation with me about, okay, you can pick, you know, pick and choose what you believe to be true, you know, 
my brain would go into overdrive sort of saying, you know, that's not possible. Like there is, the truth is the truth. There's no, there's no choice about it. You just have to accept whatever is, you know, what I at the time obviously was choosing to believe was my truth, but I believe, I believed. And then because you think like that, you've got no power. Yeah. I, I've been, I've gotten pushback from some of my clients, you know, in the, in the chair, um, whenever I'm cutting hair and that sort of thing. And I love the clients that will talk academically with me Mm. instead Mm. of the pedestrian talk. And so, they would tell, ask me about like my, my coaching business and, and different things of that nature. And we'll talk deeper and nothing to, to knock religion at all. But Mm -hmm. one was questioning, like truth is truth. Mm -hmm. And the only truth is, is God. And I'm just like, but how can two people like twins this is my argument to that person how could twins live the same life be in the same thing and have completely two different truths mm. on and they got behave that they got treated the same they got the same foods everything the same mm. it's because your perception of and the perception mm. colors your truth mm. and whether you the more you learn the more the the lens that you look through changes yeah and the more you experience the lens changes or you choose to have sweeping statements and say oh i'm never happy nothing ever is good for me all of that that's your truth that you're living right now yeah because once you decide that's your truth your brain just can like consistently goes to Okay, yeah. there's more evidence, there's more evidence. Right. And it will filter out everything else because it doesn't want contradictions. So yeah. totally. like I, I was having a conversation with a client and they're saying, well, I'm never happy. Mm. And then in the conversation, she laughs and giggles and says, that makes me so happy. And I'm like, wait, wait, mm. you just give me this broad sweeping statement that you're never happy and nothing well goes well, but then just mm. now those cannot happen and so I said see you're you have that on you have that lens on to where you can't see because you're constantly telling yourself there's this so you completely negate any happiness that you do have yeah I was having this conversation with John like um, on one of our walks and and I had heard sort of like about two years ago a podcast where somebody sort of was saying that you know beliefs don't actually like beliefs aren't necessarily a good thing having beliefs it would the world would be a lot happier if we could get rid of our beliefs and at the time I remember sort of us sort of talking sort of saying oh I don't like that like you know there are beliefs that I want to hold on to like I understood it sort of like conceptually but I sort of thought no I don't really sort of want to hold on to that but but now I sort of look at it and I can see like the value in that sort of you know thinking because when we have beliefs it's purely okay it's like I've examined all the facts and now this is my belief yeah and once you've made that decision that that's my belief then I stop looking for other beliefs or other potential alternatives because it's like it's like you do an analysis of 
these are the facts. Like, you know, if I was looking at who I wanted to vote for, whose policies, whose policies. Okay, I like this party's policies more, so I'm going to vote that way. And then you've made that decision and it's like you've got that for the rest of your life and you never step back and, again, at the next election, look at your policies. Most of us just think, okay, I vote, you know, well, in Australia, LNP or Labor or, you know, right. Greens or Independent and in America, um, Republican or Democrat. Um, but it's the beliefs, like, you know, that's when our belief system works against us because we yeah. stop thinking. We stop that critical analysis. But see, two things. One, the first reaction when you said that gave me anxiety, like anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Right. But at the same time, like I'm telling people to challenge those. So I, yeah. but the sweeping statement was like, what the hell? Yeah. But then the second thing is, is that like, you're, you're talking about people examining. I love that you're giving a lot of people more credit then I'm coming across like the pedestrian that's on the street. They're not thinking they take on. And I mean, that's where like you see these crazy political parties to where all of a sudden they get this momentum. It's not because it's based in fact or that they've researched it. It's the fact that that's what they've been told. And because they believe that they don't have thoughts that they don't have, you know, they just exist and they're living moment to moment in a primal state, not even thinking with their prefrontal cortex that all of a sudden that someone offers them a belief and says, yeah, that sounds good. Not even questioning like, Hey, does this have validity? Does this actually match truly the big picture is this where we want to go you know those kind of critical thinking questions because we're not taught to critically think anymore yeah they i don't know about your education system they're definitely bringing it in and it is part of our curriculum like there's i see sort of like a lot of documentation sort of written about you know incorporating critical thinking and definitely like at school high school level and what have you but i don't know i don't know if it's really you know how you can sort of do something in theory but whether or not it's coming out in practice i'm yet to sort of see the benefits of it in our society because we just feed them through a system at university and you know it spits out a lot of people that aren't able to think for themselves at the other end yeah um the high schoolers that i've talked to that have gone through my chair because i ask those kind of questions and they're like no they're they're taught to regurgitate information mm. from the no left behind thing which sounded good at the time mm. no, left, no child left behind but then when they only regurgitate they don't have time to critically think and do that and you have those special teachers that do but it's mm. not part of the oversweeping curriculum that mm. i know of now i could be wrong elsewhere mm. and i would love for someone to tell me and show me that it's that i'm wrong but as of right now that's that's the feedback that i'm getting and mm. i'm worried and i'm sad <laughs> mm. because i want people to start critically thinking for themselves and empowering being more empowered rather than just regurgitating what's being told to them but that i think that's sort of like you know and that's the sweet statement as I'm like saying that. Hey. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But, and, and I think I, like I'm, 
I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, I don't think there's any ever been a time in history where you've got people that are willing to invest in their own mental health as much as we have now. Yes, like, true. you know, I can't imagine five years ago, like maybe I was ignorant, I don't know, but like there was always self-help book, books sort of available and all, always sort of like, you know, people that were would gravitate towards, you know, exploring how to sort of improve themselves and sort of achieve their goals and what have you. But now to sort of like see people that are willing to pay to go and have counselling, to go and have therapy, to have coaching, hello, um, I just think that is sort of like going to have a huge ripple effect um, because, again, when other people see, you know, their peer at work that is just, thriving well they are barely surviving they always there's always that you know i want some of what she's having or they're having or whatever yeah so i'm, I'm hopeful fingers crossed that you know we'll get the word out <laughs> yeah yeah you know too though with a lot of clients especially now with with your life to be able to ask the ninja question to see if they understand that it's their thoughts and you coach people that are already in tune to coaching, but still are probably resistant sometimes, I would assume. But so I have two different types of clients. I have coaching clients. So the ones that are already coaches, so they understand the value and, and understand the, the model that we go through and all of that. But then you have those that, again, I'm... I. I understand why coaches want to coach coaches like you were talking about the last time is because it's, it's easier. But the thing is, is that my heart goes out to the world that doesn't know that, that want, yeah. you know, that I need to teach that, but they don't, they don't well, realize that it's their thoughts. No, but it, it's, it's sort of like that whole concept of, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it, it drink. And the people that aren't coaches that, you know, will yeah. be attracted to you are ready to drink the water. Yeah. So yeah. You, you might have to, like, you know, educate them a little bit more, in inverted commas, right. oh, yeah. um, uh, you know, about, okay, the power of their thinking. But once, because they're grabbing, gravitating towards you, more than likely they're open to exploring the possibility because even when you're coaching people that are used to and are totally aware of their own thoughts hello myself included yeah like you get stuck on the whole like you know you've got the awareness piece but you still fight back like you'll you know that classic statement of intellectually I understand yeah. but I don't really believe it or I don't really, I can't shift that thought because, you know, of X, Y, and Z. Um, it's the same sort of thing. It's a human brain just sort of pushing back, sort of saying, no, I still believe this one over here, even though I know it's not creating the result I want. Well, it just it, feels true. Right? It's, it's so sneaky. It's like whenever I was telling you about whenever I got coached mm. by, you know, Amy, like, holy moly the fact that and and you can see it in other people but you're so you know quagmire and up to mm. your eyeballs that you don't see the fact that okay i'm not enough 
was mm. being disguised as, mm. you know, I don't have enough. Um, I'm not being able to produce enough or something. Mm. Like, oh, mm. shit. Mm. <laughs> I read that just recently, sort of like, you know, so many of the thoughts that like the core thought that human beings have about themselves when they're in suffering, it always sort of like predominantly comes back to I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is. That to me is, is in, insane that there is this worldwide epidemic <laughs> of the fact that we're not enough because of all these arbitrary rules that we're choosing to follow for whatever reason mm. and not realizing that it's our thoughts and that we get the power and agency to choose it must have come from that book the integrity when i think about it because when you just said that that rem- it switched on the light bulb for me because i can remember reading that um as part of like um the, the play dante's inferno or whatever it was um that the character sort of um gets dipped into two rivers sort of like once they go through an inferno and sort of like they become aware and what have you and the first river is where they are all of their memories of what they have done wrong is completely wiped out. And imagine if you could do that for us as human beings, because, you know, because I was saying this to my husband again, like, you know, you think about it when our kids were little and they were babies, they could do no wrong. Like, you know, they screamed, they never thought, oh, I shouldn't have screamed or I was too loud or whatever. It was pure joy. And that's why, you know, factory setting for a baby is just pure joy. Um, if we could do that for ourselves. So, so your brain is wiped of all the concepts of what I've done wrong and then you get dipped in the next river and that reminds you of all the things, the wonderful things that you've done in your life. Imagine how awesome. I just get, you know, a goosebumps just even sort of thinking about the potential of what you could achieve if you could ditch all those thoughts about what you've done wrong and then be totally reminded of the brilliancy of what you've done right. How cool is that? I agree with that. However, my first thought is that, yeah, but then history will repeat itself because then we don't take away the lessons and the growth from those things that we've done wrong. Yeah, but what if we're all done at the same time? (laughs) But you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you think about it, if you can ditch at the same time all those artificial rules that mm-hmm. you say, you know, that we follow right. because, we've, because we just do follow yeah. without thinking about. And part of those rules are the torture, you know, that we put ourselves through, the guilt, the pain and suffering because we didn't meet our expectations which were based on either our parents or societal or a school or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then as a consequence of that, you know, just think of all the ripple on effect of, you know, you don't show up as the 100% version of Ange because, you know, when you were younger, you were told you were too loud or whatever. If you could wipe that all out, like how, you know, would you need all those learnings because they become superfluous because you're just now born virtually as a grown-up baby without all those hang-ups anymore to get to the default joy yeah i don't know 
I don't know. It's just, I, I find it interesting. It's, I get where you're coming from. So. Yeah. But no, I see both sides of it. That's the thing. My brain keeps going, yeah, but. Mm, I know. But they say that's the 50 50. But no, I, it I know. Comes back to it. Exactly. Because, yes, I've had pain in my life. Yes, you know, mm. I've been you know, depressed and, and suicidal and made bad choices in my life. But I wouldn't be here today yeah. talking to you and have grown so much. And then that has prepared me to be able to help others, to guide yeah. others through. So, I mean, I have so much overwhelming joy and peace and just like, I feel like I'm busting at the seams with you know, the launch of my, of my program this week and getting five clients and all this other stuff and to be able to help them and guide them. But at the same time, like on your end, I just feel like I'm bathed in light, you know, like, you're just like, Oh, whenever I think of your scenario, just like, yes. Well, see, that's the thing, sort of like, you know, okay, we can't do factory resetting sort of swap. Yeah. So you get the joy of like, you know, all the experience and learnings. And and don't get me wrong, like if you ever ask me sort of do I have, to have any regrets about anything I've done, my answer has always been and always will be no because I've had, as you say, the most growth in my life from when I've mucked up and stuffed up. Um and then, you know, lots of joyous occasions as well. So I never want to backtrack. That's, you know, one of my rules in my life is yeah. no backtracking. Um, but, like, take what you want and take what you can and, and move forward with it. But yeah. if we could move forward, and this is where I think getting back to, you know, again, the whole rules, ditching the rules, if we could move forward, ditching so many of those sort of rules that we never chose as an adult, or chose as an aware adult, mm -hmm. we just accepted and yeah. they become part of our identity because we didn't question them. And then we changed yeah. our behaviour and how we showed up in the world because we just accepted those rules. Yeah. And then, like, parts of ourselves want to come out and show up and then you have almost this cognitive dissonance and you have shame or guilt over that because it doesn't match the, the pre-programming that you had before. Mm -hmm. I saw this really cool meme um, and it was this really old guy and he's wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt mm -hmm. and he says, I have been reprogrammed. I am a 1944 model and all this, but I have been, um, it was very well well written to but it was like that he was just reprogrammed he's a different model now he's been updated his software has been updated and now the outside is reflecting what has been changed on the inside oh. it's it's very cool to be able to think like that but the um the fact that um and i had a i had a great great punchline to this and all of a sudden <laughs> Go back, circle back, because you're the meme. Think of the meme, focus on the meme. 
Well, it was what yeah. were you saying? And then I can tie the, the two. rules. It always comes back to like, you know, the, yeah. when we follow the rules, we change. Like in 1944, my dad was born in 1944. Yeah. And he had, you know, he was raised with a, um, a racist mom and, and all that. Mm. And, it, and it changes. So I love the fact that we can get reprogramming, but first we have to become aware. Mm of our thoughts and, and of our beliefs. And, you know, those thoughts equals like beliefs and, um, and the rules that go with those beliefs and then the stories that underline that. And then we end up having the, um, going through, and then you have all those accompanying, um, shame and guilt, which then brings up even more rules and more beliefs. And it's just crazy that, mm. that thought, but then once you become aware, you're like, Oh, and then you realize, wait a minute, I can choose. Mm. Mm. Cause you think about it, how much, you know, anger and animosity in the world happens because I have a belief and you say something that threatens that belief. Yeah. And then I get, I get scared because you're like what you're, you know, saying is a threat to a belief that I'm holding very dear because of whatever reason I've, I've believed it for so long. So then I go on the attack. I attack you because yeah. you're threatening my belief and you're triggering fear. So, yeah. you know, the best form of defense is offense. So like, you know, whereas again, if we didn't hold on to some of these beliefs so tightly and so securely and if we could step back and sort of, you know, keep who would it, you know, I think it sort of um, it's Brooke sort of asks us or tells us sort of at some times to re-decide, like, you know, to keep making big decisions, like, you know, look at, sort of what you want in your life and recommit sort of yeah actually that is the job I want you know yeah this is where I want to live in my life and this is what I want to do with my life and whatever and it's the same thing with beliefs like if we could step back and look at these beliefs and sort of think no actually that's not working for me anymore I instead of just accepting them and and again they're so ingrained we don't even notice them yeah. Any question. And we and the thing is, is that that concept of like recommitting and looking at every aspect of your life, and yeah. then getting to choose. I just I was a victim mentality for most of my life, yeah. um, and so I didn't know that I could choose. <laughs> I didn't know that I could choose. I didn't know that. Um, I could recommit and look, I just thought that it was, mm. and I just, again, just existed to see mm. if this has been coming up for me. Like every person that I've talked to is it that they're mm. just existing and that I'm challenging mm. that for them. Mm. And you can see sometimes they're resisting that. And then sometimes you're like, wait, what? <laughs> so on reflection, when you look back, and you had that victim mentality, what what was sort of like, a, you know, what started pulling you out of that? What light, was, did you have a light bulb moment or, you know, was there a concept that you got exposed to or did something well, happen? Dad was always into reading self-help books. Yeah. Um, because I know, unbeknownst to me, I found out after he died that he suffered with depression. 
-hmm. And then he was in sales. So that just amps everything up. Because you're beating yourself up because you're not enough. And then that just goes and spirals. My mom suffers with depression. So I get that. And so I, I would listen to it on and off throughout my life, but the, the eye-opening experience was my dad, what my dad was, had pancreatic cancer. He was in the hospital. It was the lowest of low. He's, you know, on his deathbed, Mm. but the, the joy whenever he could muster it and he wasn't in pain. Mm. I learned so much about him and myself within that, Mm. that we can do hard things, that we can have the joy, we can have that. And then on top of that, my mom and my dad, they were just shy of 40 years before my dad passed away. And it was beautiful. Like he could barely move, but he tried to scoot over so my mom could lay in bed with him. Mm. and people from all over the hospital heard about my parents would come into our room and they felt the warmth and and joy of that love Mm. and I was in a marriage that I had entered in whenever I didn't have any self-esteem no self-worth I don't believe that he had that either and I lived with shame and depression where his was more acting out and to try to control things to make himself feel better. And so he would control me and that sort of thing. I mean, that's just where we were. And I realized that the huge contrast between the marriage and, and I'm just like, I don't want that anymore. Mm. And for me to stand up for myself and, and, and just tell him I don't want that. And we, and we subsequently wanted, we, we tried to work it out for a year and it was tumultuous to say the least mm. within that. But with each little time that I, I, I honored myself and stood up for myself for like, I don't want to live like this or whatever. I mean, yes, there was consequences whenever you're bucking the system you're going to have consequences. But I felt, I I started growing balls in a backbone. And it was a little bit before that, that I was getting recognized for accolades or things that I had done. And it wasn't exactly me, but it was just that confidence that I was starting to get. And I wasn't getting that at home. And then I I started growing balls in a backbone then. And just that. So then when the divorce happened, I had an identity crisis and it was a long time. I wallowed within that, but I, you know, and I was trying to scrap out of it and slide back in and scrap out of it and slide back in. But each time I scrapped out of it a little bit, Mm. I gained a little bit more, um, more agency. I didn't know the word agency at that point. Yeah. Yeah you know, just, and then just starting to like dive into the Bible, anything that would give me clarity of like who I am, how I can be, because I felt so broken and in searching for that, I realized I wasn't broken, that I'm perfectly made how I'm Mm. supposed to be because someone ended up saying, oh my God, you're so funny. And I just whipped around and looked behind me to see who they were talking to and it was just me and her Mm. 
Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? Someone actually says something nice about me? What? Mm -hmm. I have value? What? Mm -hmm. I mean, just funny that made me feel like I had value. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy how that happens. So now I just want to guide people. I wish that I had someone that I knew about coaching before. But even if I knew about coaching before, I didn't have the money to be able to invest in it. So that's why, like, whenever I found Brooke Castillo, you know, yeah. our, our teacher and mentor, then I just like binged everything that she had in her podcast and mm -hmm. then worked on applying it. And that's how that all happened. That's my journey. So, you know, a lot of it came from recognizing in a very sort of incremental way that mm -hmm. you that you were like you had value that you were enough yeah yeah and i mean uh, thank you for joining me today i really enjoy being able to connect with you if this is something that resonated with you then please do leave a comment down below on the podcast also it helps me be able to reach more people if there is someone that could be able to help with stepping out of the sidelines and into their life and growing some self-confidence, please do go ahead and share that. If you would like to be able to work one-on-one -on -one with me, go to AngelaPowell.com and be able to navigate through there and reach out to me there. Or you can DM me at Angela Powell Coaching on Instagram and on Facebook. All right, guys, y'all have a great day and uh, go forth and be awesome. <laughs>